1: Get a chair, grab a seat, or we'll sweep you off your feet. We move, we groove, you got Mel. Ease your legs, rest a while, all you gotta do is smile. We're swell, can't you tell you got Mel? When the show begins, you better hold on tight. Or before you know it, you'll be high as the kite. Take a Settle down, we're the only show in town SRO, don't you know, you got Mel Give it up, don't think twice We're a hurricane on ice What the hell, give a yell Ring your bell, show and tell Mademoiselle, give a smell, You got Mel You've got Mel Oh no Get a Once chill, grab a enough. <laughs> okay, let's get rid of this <laughs> And here you are
0: Woohoo it's impressive the number of things rhyme that rhyme with Mel.
1: Yes, uh, my, my my name was a Bartholomew, and I changed it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> so, but 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 uh, isn't that great? I mean, my parents actually named me Melvin. Uh, I, I but, mean, but when I realized how many things you can rhyme with Mel, it's fantastic. Why, yeah, why have two syllables when you can have only one? That, that's right. What and such what, an... what what rhymes with tragedy? Nothing. <laughs>
0: Absolutely nothing. But I tell people when they're confused about how to pronounce my name, imagine it rhymes. the first part reminds with fudge rhymes with fudge. So Rajani, fudgeny. So fudge uh, how's that. So
1: so Rajani is your name? Yes. Not Rajani as Americans might say. No. Rajani. Rajani. Yeah. Okay, but it's I almost like
0: a you. Okay.
1: So yeah. um you you are a prolific an award-winning children's book author. Yes, I love writing children's books. So which books have just come out, which are about to come out? If you have any around, just show them so everybody can see them.
0: Oh, I, yes, absolutely. Okay, so I will show you. And the they ones are that so are-
1: no. colorful and beautiful.
0: Yes, okay. This was my first book, *Midsummer's Mayhem. It's a middle-grade novel. It came out in 2019. It's basically A Midsummer Night's Dream means uh, Cupcake Wars there you go um and then my second book and my first picture book is right here seven golden rings a tale of music and math and this just won the Mathical award uh for uh grades three to five and uh, it's set in ancient india and it involves a math puzzle and introduction to binary numbers so that's really fun
1: it's gorgeous um, one second rajani
0: Yes, yes, yes. It,
1: I'll keep holding can it you, no. Open, open a double spread so people can see how beautiful the illustrations are.
0: It's just so beautiful.
1: Right, and it has a lovely story. Yes. And, uh, and while, uh, while the uh, child is reading it, he learns binary uh, mathematics. Yes, and at the very end...
0: There is an author's note that explains all about binary.
1: I, I read it all. Yeah, it's, it, it was fun to write. It really was. It, it's incredible. It's incredible. And um, and while you're not busy being a children's author, one thing you have another book coming out.
0: Oh, yes. Well, I, I had one that published I, I, just a couple of
1: ago. I have to re- remind you what about Bina no, and her no, brothers? No.
0: So this is Red, White, and Whole. It is a um, middle grade novel in verse. So it's written in poetry and it just came out on February 2nd. And it is set in 1983 and it is about um, a 13 year old girl who feels torn between the worlds of her Indian immigrant parents and her um, school friends and 80s pop culture. So it has a lot of 80s songs in it. A lot of the song titles are actually 80s song titles. Uh, A lot of the poem titles are 80s song titles. Um, But then her mom uh, gets really sick with leukemia and she feels like her whole world is turned upside down. And, um, yeah, so this book is really super close to my heart and, um, I'm really excited that it's in the world.
1: That's wonderful. Can you just open it anywhere and read it, read a few, um, to us?
0: Yes. Okay. I'll read the first poem. Two. I have two lives, one that is Indian, one that is not. I have two best friends, one who is Indian, one who is not. At school, I swim in a river of white skin and blonde hair and brown hair and blue eyes and green eyes and hazel, school subjects and giggles about boys, salad and sandwiches. And on weekends, I float in a sea of brown skin and black hair and dark eyes, MTV music videos and giggles about boys, samosas and subjees. In both places, I have gossip and laughter, music and silence friendship but only in one place do i have my parents
1: wow it is so lyrical thank wow. you that's wonderful <laughs> thank um you. and what well, what what about the bina and her brothers bina okay so that i, I, I have to remind you what books you've written <laughs> oh, What God, what's going oh, on <laughs> Oh, yeah, I wrote that one, yeah.
0: Bracelets for Bina's Brothers. Should I bring it closer? It's all all the way over there. Of
1: course you should. All
0: right. Bracelets for Bina's Brothers. This is coming out in April, and it is part of Charles Bridges' storytelling math series. And it is about a little girl named Bina who wants to make her three older brothers bracelets for the um, Indian holiday Raksha Bandhan, where... Uh, Sisters give brothers bracelets that are supposed to protect them, and brothers are supposed to give sisters um, a little present in exchange. And it's about the bond between sisters and brothers. And um, so she wants to make them herself using patterns. And so she finds out all of her brother's favorite colors and kind of knows what they like to do, like reading or music or basketball, and wants to make them herself without her mom's help. But she finds out that it's a little harder than she thought. So she has to figure out how to do it. It's really sweet, and Chaya Prabhat is the illustrator. I just got to show you. Look at this art. I mean, just unbelievable. And look at that gigantic dog,
1: <laughs> whom I love. And, and 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 the book is all. It's all about colors. It's all about uh, <coughs> choosing color patterns.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's so. It's so so sweet, and I just absolutely love.
1: Look at how she's thinking
0: with the dog. The dog helps a lot. <laughs>
1: That's that's what dogs are for.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: So, so Rajani, I, I, um, I'm you're about the twentieth uh, traditionally published children's book author that I'm interviewing, and what I want the audience to understand is that you are one in many thousands of writers who aspire to be where you are. So people should realize that I'm talking to, to royalty here. Oh, so your your highness, how did this happen?
0: So, you know, I always loved books, always, always. When I was a kid, I read kind of everything I could get my hands on, including, you know, novels and nonfiction and comic books and comic strips and whatever I could read. Um, And I did do creative writing when I was a kid and even through high school. Um, But my first love was medicine. And so I knew I wanted to be a doctor. Uh, And I specifically remember in high school, I was taking a creative writing class. And I told my teacher, I said, you know, I love doing this, but I know this is not going to be my career because I know that I'm going to go to medical school. And he said to me, who says you have to choose? And he brought in all these books by doctors who were also authors. And I have to tell you, it planted a seed in my head that I was who like, is okay. this?
1: who is this guy?
0: Mr. Hertzfeld, my creative writing teacher in high school.
1: So it, Mr Hertzfeld if you are listening you deserve a huge award
0: he does i went back for my high school reunion um not like just before my first book was published and there's actually a quote from him in that book and i said i i showed up at the high school and the first person i saw was him he he's retired but i told him i said mr hertzfeld you're in my book you're like quoted in my book and he was like I hope it's something good. (laughs) And it was, of course. He said in our class, in that creative writing class, he said to us, poets need time to stare out of windows. And I was, isn't that just a fantastic thing to say? So he basically was giving us permission to daydream and look out the window and not worry about being busy, just to let our minds think about stuff that we wanted to write about. He's so wonderful and it made it into the book. It made it into Midsummer's Mayhem. And, um, so I can't thank him enough. So after high One school, second. You're, oh,
1: you're not going to tell, you're not going to tell our audience that you're actually a medical doctor too. I am. <laughs> I am. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I I knew it, but I'm still, I'm still in awe, But but we're getting ahead of ourselves here. You yeah. didn't talk about your family. Uh, you were born in America, uh, your Indian roots. Talk to yeah. me. Okay. I'll talk to we you. We have so lots was... of time. We have lots of time.
0: Sure. I was born in India, and I came to the U.S. as a baby. Um, and we came to New York uh, like many people do. So we lived in New York for a while, then we moved to Florida for a while. Then, we, then that ended up growing up, for the most part, in Louisville, Kentucky, which is a lovely city. Yes.
1: yes. I've been there. I've been there.
0: It's a wonderful place. It is. Yes, it's a really nice place to grow up. And uh, there was a um, you know, relatively sizable Indian community for that size city, but it wasn't so huge that, um, that... So in other cities where there were a lot more Indians, even at that time in the 70s and the 80s, people really kind of um, split up and only socialized with people who spoke their own language or were from their specific part of India. But our community was small enough that we kind of knew everybody. We just kind of hung out with everyone. So it was great. Um, And uh, then I would spend every few years, we would go and spend the whole summer back in India with my relatives. And India um,
1: is a big place, Rajani. Yes.
0: We are from Bangalore, India, which is a big city right in the south of India. And it's a wonderful place. Like, I mean, talk about like amazing food and like, gardens and you know arts and culture like it was it's a beautiful and
1: and and it's it's a high-tech it is it is a high-tech
0: center and yes yes and it's always been um very cosmopolitan so there have always been lots of people from all over the place there which was really cool and i was really lucky and then i have a bunch of cousins who are all right around my age so we used to have a great time but the only problem is that they had their school year is different, so in the summer when I was on vacation, they would actually have classes. So I would have all day without them around. So while I was waiting for them to come back from school, I would go to the like the local lending library and read more books. And among, among the books that I read were these um, Indian comics called Amar Chitra Kaphas, which are just fantastic. So they each one is illustrated by a different person, and they all tell stories from. Um, Indian history, mythology, and literature. So I learned so much about my own culture from these comic books. And they're just, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. So a lot of those stories have always been percolating in my head. And there are things that I kind of that make their way into my writing. Um, in Red, White, and Whole specifically, there is a story from um, Hindu mythology that the girl in the story really thinks about a lot. Um, and so it is told in the, in the book itself. Um, Yeah. So I had, you know, I, and, you know, I don't know if anybody thinks about this or has talked to you about this. When you go to a country where the accent is different and you go for like eight weeks, you pick up their accent, especially as a child. So I I would come back from India and I would have this slight Indian accent and all my friends here would be like, what is what is going on with you? You're sounding weird. And I'm like, oh, OK, I need to like <laughs> <Sounds weird. laughs> I, I need to remember how to say things like this again. It, it's, it was just really, really funny. Um, yeah, but those were those were wonderful times. We, I have a really uh, wonderful extended family and we get to spend a lot of time together. Um, yeah, so that was that was me. I was between Louisville and, um, and Bangalore basically all my life. And we traveled a lot. Um, As a family too, like we took road trips across the US, which was really fun. We would just be with another family or two and take a big van. And we drove once from uh, Kentucky all the way to California and back and like stopped in various places, like one night in each place and then like saw everything. It was beautiful.
1: Why why did your folks uh, leave India?
0: Ah, so that's interesting. I mean, I would say that my dad was, my dad is an engineer. He was looking for um, opportunity. He wanted to go to a place where, um, uh, you know, he could uh, do well by his family. And so the, the other kind of legendary thing about this whole situation was that, you know, you have to apply for a, a, a visa, right, a work visa. And my dad's work visa came through a month before I was born and he had to go. He had to go because he was gonna lose his chance. So he left India. And my mom was, you know, was with her parents and his every, everyone else was around her. So I was born and then he um, didn't didn't want us to come until he had a job and like a place to live. So I was like a year old before I saw my dad. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. It's pretty it's pretty wild. Yeah. But and, what, and
1: what about brothers and sisters?
0: I have none. That's it.
1: OK, that's fine. And, and your yeah. mom?
0: uh my mom so my mom was uh had just finished college when she got married and uh, she worked at a bank um when when i was a kid um, yeah it was fun she didn't work for a while when i was really little but then worked at a bank when when i got older
1: so, fun. so so while you were growing up and becoming an american mm-hmm. uh you also had these um indian values and cultures at home yeah, uh, yeah. and for the most part that's edifying
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Listen, I will not. I will tell you that as a teenager, it wasn't always easy, and that's a lot of what you know. A lot of the emotions that are in Red, White, and Whole come directly from my own experience. Where you, I mean, I did to a certain extent feel like I was living in two different worlds. That ever all week long, I was with you know at school with all my American friends, and on the weekends, we were spending time ex- almost exclusively with um our Indian friends and in our community. So it was just kind of like, well, which one is the real me? And you know, and t- at times that could be challenging, but for the most part, it was just wonderful. <laughs>
1: so I, I have a theory that re- people who write for children are themselves stuck in some era. Usually picture book writers are like stuck at the age of five, as I am. Um, are you stuck at a certain <laughs> age?
0: Oh, I think I'm probably stuck around 12. <laughs> I think middle grade is my sweet spot. Although I love picture books and I would argue that picture books are not just for little kids. They are really for everybody. Well,
1: well you're, you, yeah, and I would agree, but your picture books are like, yeah, they're they're a little more intellectual than the run of the mill.
0: I, I find that um, the grandparents in my family, so my in-laws and my parents, they love the picture books. <laughs> I, ah. they're, they're so happy with the picture. They're just like, we love it. And the, you know, cause the pictures tell half the story, you know, and they're so delightful.
1: Okay. I, I think that the, the pictures tell 70% of the story and that's something <laughs> that we writers have to live with.
0: Yes. I'll accept that. That's fine. <laughs>
1: um, and, and, uh, and your stories, no matter how wonderful they are, the illustrations are like, uh, so, I, and of course I'm going to agree with you because, um, Five-year-olds do not go out and buy their own picture books. That's true. So it has to, the, the parents and the grandparents and librarians, uh, among other people, have to love the, uh, to love the stories.
0: Absolutely. And whenever,
1: whenever I think of Madeline, I get teary-eyed, mm. uh, which was my go-to book when I was four or five years old. Mm. Uh, did you have a children's book that was your go-to book when you were five?
0: When I was five, um, The Pokey Little Puppy? <laughs> i'll check I it love- out <laughs> it's a little golden book it is so lovely um, yeah i it, 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 that might have been when i was i mean i think that started i started loving that book when i was even younger um you know it's so funny because then i really remember the books that i read as a middle grade reader like i i really remember loving um the westing game by ellen raskin Um, And I loved all of um, Madeline Lenkel's uh, books, like just absolutely adored them, like read them over and over. Um, And, you know, and then in, at least in my era, I feel like you got past middle grade and then they were just like, well, you're an adult now. So like, you're just going to read adult books. So so I was like, all right, fine, I guess I'll just read adult books. Um, When I was in India in that lending library, they had an interesting collection of stuff. So like I read so much Agatha Christie as like a 10-year-old and I had no idea what was going on for some of the story. But then I figured it out at the end. And my favorite was when Hercule Poirot would like speak in French. He would have these French phrases. And I was like, I don't, like, what is he saying? I thought he kept saying viola instead of voila. And so I was like, what is viola? I didn't get it. And then later on, I actually, a couple of years later, I started taking French and I was like, aha. Now I understand what he was talking Ah, about.
1: Voila. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) C'est ça. Maintenant, je comprends. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So, so, uh, and why why do you feel like you're stuck as a 12-year-old?
0: I feel like um, that, so, okay, so I feel like that's where my natural writing voice uh, lies. Uh, I love middle-grade literature because I think that you can tackle profound issues, sometimes really difficult issues in a way that is very accessible to everybody but including children. I also think that's the time in your life when you were determining so much of who you're going to become. Um, I really think that the stuff that I loved when I, was in tw- when I was 12 and 13 are the things that I still love now. Um, and uh, so I, I absolutely um, adore that time period and I love writing for that time period. And I think that that's where I like to write. That's kind of the area where I like to write. That's not to say that I don't like writing picture books, and i have like some ya ideas so who knows maybe i will write for other people too but i think that's my first okay and
1: and writing. and so and so while while you were becoming one out of tens of thousands of successful children's authors in your spare time you became a physician
0: <laughs> yeah i became a physician first and then it wasn't until like 10 years ago or so no, I, I, mean, I mean we're, we're telling writing. a
1: story here you don't have to tell the truth
0: <laughs> I. I I went back to writing as something that I wanted to do for oh, me. So I, I wanted one, to be creative. sec,
1: Rajani, back to yes, high yes. school, Mr. Hertzfeld. And, yes. and you finished high school, and then you say, what am I going to do now?
0: Yeah, so I went to college, and I was a government major, but I was also pre-med. So I always have loved all the things. That's the thing. <laughs> I loved to study everything. So I figured if I'm going to medical school, I might as well study government now, because when else am I going to get a chance to do that? So I did that. And uh, then I went to medical school. And once I went to medical school, I literally had no room in my brain for anything else. I was like, I cannot write. I like, I mean, maybe I, I would have, like maybe I read stuff that wasn't medical related, but it was challenging. It was like learning three languages at where once. Did, it was where did challenging. Go, where
1: did you go to medical school?
0: I went to Harvard
1: Medical School. <laughs> you know, that's was not a even. That's not even in your bio. Oh, you know, and while while I was busy doing other things and studying government, I had a little bit of free time. So I enrolled in Harvard Medical School.
0: It was a good place. It was a good place. You um, are
1: some kind of overachiever, aren't you? I don't know.
0: I um, I feel very fortunate and I'm like super... I'm, I, so I, you know, I tried and I succeeded, but that
1: doesn't... I, I, I'm, I'm even more fortunate because... I, I just get to interview you. you. You did all the hard work and I'm, you know, I'm just getting the nachas, the, uh, the parental pleasure. Let
0: me tell you, when I was in medical school was when I started baking. My roommate in medical school, like my best friend in medical school, she was a really good, like she liked to bake, like, you know, like at home. And yeah. I told her, I said, you know, I've always wanted to bake. I'm not like, I'm just intimidated and I'm a little scared. And she said to me, oh my goodness, what are you scared about? You just need a recipe and you need to have the stuff around. That's it. And so we started baking stuff together. We cooked and baked so much and that influenced this book, right? This girl loves to bake. And like, this girl is 11 and she bakes way better than I did when I was 11. But like little things from your life that you, that you love end up being in your stories of course um,
1: but what but what do medical students bake a kidney pie
0: no nothing an- anatomical
1: no, i'm I'm happy
0: <laughs> no it was like cakes
1: brain stew <laughs> here have there's some no, brain stew
0: there's no eyeballs, no nothing a little none of that
1: stuff. little formaldehyde but you'll enjoy it
0: none of that stuff no okay good, no, I'm good happy. Goodness. it was just cookies and cakes it was really good and bread we need some bread sometimes too that was really fun yeah. Um, yeah. So then, and then I went to residency, um, which was also like a time in my life where I had no space in my brain or energy in my body to do anything else. And then at the end of residency, I had my first child. And then, uh, you know, and then three years later, I had another kid and I was like, and I was working and I was like, well, I, I'm just, there are people who have little children who write books and I don't know how they do it because for me I was like I'm just glad that I took a shower today like that was <laughs> <laughs> I took a shower and I got to work like that's that's all like I was like thank goodness so um, yeah uh, I it took it took a while and the most creative um, the most creative part of me I poured into planning birthday parties for the kids
1: how and old it, are the little kids now
0: Oh my little kids are huge now they're both in college so my son is a third-year student at Williams College, and my daughter is a first-year student at
1: Vanderbilt. That's really incredible. I I mean, what, you got married when you were 16 or something? (laughs) No. They they do that in India, you know?
0: No, no, no. I met my husband when we were 18. I met him first year of college. Um, But we didn't get married until we were um, 25 or so. So, yeah.
1: And What's his uh, background?
0: He is um, uh, he's a Computer scientist. He runs a software company.
1: Another he, helped with, that,
0: he helped with that author's note a lot. <laughs> I was like
1: binary numbers. <laughs> it shows. It shows. I said, okay, I finally understand. Uh, no, I I am joking because um I have another story, but this show is about you. So sometimes i someday offline I'll tell you. Uh no, but I mean um what I'm sure he's he's a wonderful, lovely guy. Uh but where are his parents from? La Roca isn't an Indian name.
0: Italian. Italian-American. Italian-American, yes. His,
1: Italiano, Italiano.
0: His great-grandparents came from Italy. Yeah, yeah. Let's so go. we we have very good food in our house.
1: <laughs> where do, Where do you live? I'm coming.
0: <laughs> We're in Massachusetts. We got a lot of snow, but come on over. <laughs>
1: By the way, I'm vaccinated. You know, Israel. I'm double vaccinated. I can, you know, and as soon as they open the skies, I'm, I'm coming for dinner.
0: Please do seriously, seriously. Uh, I'm I have also to, double vaccinated. I have
1: to meet you to see if you are as incredible as you seem.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's let's now spend a few minutes uh, talking about your craft. Yes why um why do you write mathematical books for young children is there a reason for this
0: i love math i mean honestly it's as simple as that i i love math i've always loved math i mean i'm not one of those math geniuses like my son and my husband are oh my god my okay i will tell you a story i will tell you a story my son um so before he could speak words, he knew all the numbers and he knew all the letters. Like he couldn't necessarily say them yet. He was like one, but if you pointed to, if you said "Where's the R?", he would point to the R. Like he knew them. And um, by the time he was two, he um, began to understand about multiples. So he was like, he he was like, "Okay, mommy, let's count by twos. And I'm like, "Okay, yeah, yeah." I'm pushing the stroller. Eventually, we get to, OK, mommy, let's count by 26s. And I was like, 26? 52? And then I'd be like, let's oh, let's go to the park, because he was just not stopping. So when he was very young, probably three or four, um, we read a book called One Grain of Rice by uh, Demi, an author-illustrator. And it's set, set in ancient India. And um, it involves a clever girl who basically tricks kind of the um, uh, the uh, the king who is not sharing um, his rice with everybody in the kingdom. Um, she tricks him because she does something for him and he's like, what's your reward? And she says, oh, just give me one grain of rice and just double it every day for 30 days. And he's like, that's not enough. And she's like, no, no, that's fine. And of course it ends up being all the rice in the kingdom, right? So powers of two were in that book. My child was three or four years old. In the back of the book is a list of all the powers of two to two to the 30th. He drank it up, he soaked it up and he memorized them all. He was just like, okay, this is how part of how I think of the world now. And he made me realize that even very young children can be exposed to sophisticated mathematical concepts and enjoy it. Now, not everyone needs to um, memorize the powers of two as a three-year-old, but just seeing how quickly those numbers grow is something that expands your mind and is enjoyable and really wonderful. So I feel like math is full of wonder. I also feel that science is full of wonder and I've got some scientific type of books coming out too. Um, So yeah, that's why I write about them because I think it's really cool. (laughs) And my my next um, middle grade novel, um, which is coming out in June, Much Ado About Baseball. So it's a companion novel to *Midsummer's Mayhem. It involves math puzzles, like serious math puzzles. This is, these are middle grade kids, 12-year-old kids who are on a math puzzle team. And so they like this stuff, and um, they, they have to solve these math puzzles. They may or may not be magical, and strange things happen when they do. So, yeah, I love this stuff.
1: Amazing. So how did you, how did you break in? How did you find an agent? Uh, what was your first story? Give us some of that background.
0: Yeah, so *Midsummer's Mayhem was the first novel I ever wrote. Um, I didn't know how to write a novel. And so I just kind of like kept writing stuff. I, when I first started writing, um, I took classes online and then in person. And then I met fellow writers, which honestly is the gateway to writing more. Because when you have critique partners who are like, well, you kind of have to write the next chapter because I want to know what happens, uh, then you're like, OK, I guess I should write the next chapter. These writing friends, okay, I'm going to sound really corny, but this is the truth. I never thought I would meet people that I connected with and felt like they were my people as much as I did people in medicine. Like when you are in the medical world and you realize you're all working towards a common goal of helping people, um, and of course there's a whole intellectual side to it and a, you know, like a smartness side of it that is fun, but like ultimately you're just all on the same team helping people. That is such a wonderful feeling of belonging, like these people are my people. I never thought I would find that again. And then I met writers, and I found it again, like, you know, later in my life, which was shocking. So I have to say that my critique partners and other writers that I have met, um, they're such creative, generous people, and they kept me writing. So there's a lot of disappointment and there's a lot of fear when you first start out writing that when you put it, you know, when you send it out to people, when you put it in front of somebody else, that they're just going to say no. And the truth is, yeah, a lot of people are going to say no, like that's okay. Um, But when you have friends who support you and um, believe in what you're doing, it really helps you keep going. So I um, I wrote, I was writing this novel. I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) And then I was writing a bunch of picture books. Seven Golden Rings was actually one of the first picture books I ever wrote. It took me forever. I think I first drafted it in 2013. I think I wrote almost 70 drafts before it finally got to the version that we sold, right?
1: But that's par for the course.
0: Exactly, exactly. So so I was writing and writing and writing. <laughs> in around 2015, 2016, I started sending things to agents saying, hey, aren't I cool? And most of the time, I just got a whole lot of no. I mean people ask for the manuscript, that kind of thing. I got nibbles here and there, but I got a lot of rejection. And let me tell you, I've never been rejected that much in my entire life. <laughs> like I, I'm a relatively successful person. I was like, okay, I can, I mean, like, I, I don't know, I do things, I like went, got into school, I got my job, but I just kept hearing, no. But you know, the thing is that I, I just told myself, and I think this part, part of this comes from just being older and just being like, whatever, I'm gonna try this and what does it matter? I just told myself, if I don't put myself out there, I'll never succeed. So I might as well put that myself out there and risk rejection. That's all you can do, right? So I kept going, I kept trying to make my work better. And then in 2017, I had um, like 10 agents with the full manuscript of *Midsummer's Mayhem. Like it was, I thought it was good. It was. It was really good. And then, As often happens with agents, it was like four months went by, five months went by, nothing. And I was like, you know, this is crazy. And you feel like you're in this weird situation where you don't want to ask them, like, have you read it? Because then they might just say, well, no, I don't. Oh, yeah, I read it and I don't like it. Go away. So (laughs) (laughs) there was this contest called Pitch Wars, um, which is uh, a contest where more experienced writers um, mentor uh, writers who don't have agents yet. And. Um, you enter, there were like whatever, 3,000, uh, entries and 180 people selected. So I was not sure whether I wanted to enter. And then my friend said, what have you got to lose? Like, it doesn't matter, right? Like, even if you don't get in, like, you're no worse off than you were before. And I was like, okay, fine. I entered, I somehow got chosen. My mentor was wonderful. Uh, Joy McCullough, who's just uh, such an accomplished, amazing author. She had, she loved the book. And she had a big suggestion, which was to eliminate a main character. And I was like, "Wait, what?" And so <laughs> I was like, so scared. And then I just kind of like sat with that advice, and I was like, "Huh." And I was like, "Okay, I think I think you're right." But I was so scared. So we had we had like, I think, uh, two months to revise our novel. So um, I I said, "Okay," I was so scared that I'm going to try two different revisions, and I started going in opposite directions, one with the character gone and one with him there. And within three chapters, I was like, he's got to go. So I like rewrote my entire book in like five weeks. It was crazy. And I was sitting there going, I'm nuts because it took me years to write this book. How am I going to rewrite this in like a few weeks and have it be as good? And do you know what? It was better. It was better. But the thing that drove me, I will be honest, was fear. I was like, this is my chance. <laughs> if i mess this up then like what is the point of any of this so i rewrote it there was an agent showcase at the end of it and my the the person who ended up being my agent read my novel as soon as i sent it and emailed me that night and was like we should we should talk
1: incredible and who is your agent
0: brent taylor of triada us he's amazing um So I, you know, whatever we, I ended up getting some more offers, but he was clearly the one that was the right one. And then, uh, we ended up selling this book and, and four more picture books, I think that year. So it was like, it was bananas. It was, it's been bananas. And then, uh, yeah. And so, uh, I think that, um, for people out there who are querying still who want to be published, I mean, the answer is just keep improving what you do and keep trying because honestly I, I know that everybody says but says this but it is the truth the biggest difference between people who are published and people who are not are the ones that or are, are that the ones who are published just kept going kept trying that's all you can do
1: well um, I will tell that to myself the next time I get a query rejection but no but I mean it's um, we, we, we could discuss this at length but um, you have to have a really good manuscript. You do and um it's very hard to know sometimes whether your manuscript is really good because sometimes your query partner will be your critic critique partner excuse me will be too kind i'm looking for critique partners who are mean and 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 the the terrible thing is that most children's book writers are really nice people i'm looking for i'm looking for the mean one
0: (laughs) well i mean this is also where Um, If you go to conferences or virtual conferences and you get critique opportunities with um, uh, industry professionals like editors or agents, they can also give you different insight because they don't know you. They don't have to be nice to you. It's not about being nice. It's about being useful. They can tell you hard truths that maybe your friends won't tell you. But also I would say that critique partners are wonderful, but oftentimes if you've been with them for years, they're as invested in your work as you are. So they, they love, they know everything about your story too. And they think it should be a book, right? So it is, it is hard to, for them to have the perspective sometimes that you need, you need a stranger sometimes.
1: So this is wonderful. Um, and um, I hope that the many, many people are, are watching it. That's good advice. Uh, and now you're also a physician. Yes. So now, like, do you, do you, are you happy to be a physician or do you say, what do I need this for? All kinds of people with, uh, with COVID and, uh, and um, you know, lung collapses and, uh, and the tracheotomies. What do I need this for?
0: I, so I'm an internal medicine physician. I'm a primary care doctor. So my practice is um, outpatient. And I got to tell you, um, I mean, I've always, I've just, I love practicing medicine. I love my colleagues. I love my patients. What do you, you, know, what do you mean? Time- you,
1: you wake up in the morning and you take your bag and you go and see people?
0: Um, yeah so uh during covid for a while we were all virtual but um now um uh, two days a week i'm in the office seeing patients
1: and, oh, so they uh, come to you
0: yeah yeah and then i still do some virtual visits too where everyone's on zoom all the time so <laughs> so,
1: second, so you're you're an internal specialist
0: yeah internal medicine yeah so i'm a primary care doctor so i'm the first person you see basically i'm the one that kind of takes care of
1: everything that's incredible
0: i just i love it i really do and i really think that um well i mean i also think that there's a lot in common between being a doctor and being a writer um the most important thing is that they're both about people i think that i think that in order to be a that's good
1: incredible
0: oh it's true but to be a good physician you still you have to you have to love people right like you have to love them and you have to uh, hold on to a sense of wonder about people because people are capable of so much incredible stuff. Right? They make yeah, but, horrible but, mistakes.
1: Yeah, but so, Rajani, most physicians. Yes. yes. I don't know about Harvard graduates, but most of the physicians, uh, when you come in, uh, they 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 see a kidney, or a um, an achalasia, or a um, ruptured spleen, or what have you. They don't well, see the human being.
0: Well, I I mean, I, I don't I think that when doctors are under time pressure and other pressure, I think it is easy for things to devolve into that. But I think that most people, the vast majority of people who went into medicine, went into it in large part because they do love people. And you know, there are so many different types of um, medical practices. So like you don't have to have you know, you don't really necessarily care if certain types of, you know, doctors are all business and don't care about you as a human, but I really think, and you know, I think that for the most part, this is what I see, the best doctors are the ones that see the whole person. And despite the fact that they're taking care of one piece of something, they see the whole person.
1: And I, I agree with you. Yeah. I I I, so, I I don't know whether you know this, but I taught medical students for about 30 years. Did you really? Wow, wow. Um, but this show is about you, dear. So, And, 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 and now we get to the, uh, we're, we're towards the end of the show, and yep. uh, we're going to talk about the Beatles.
0: We're going to talk about the Beatles? Okay.
1: Do you like the Beatles?
0: I love the Beatles.
1: What's not to love? Love
0: them. love them. Here Comes the Sun is my favorite song.
1: Really? Yeah. This is a favorite on the show.
0: Oh, I, lo- I love that song. I love it so you,
1: much. But don't you love the whole album of Abbey Road?
0: Oh, yes. It's a genius album. And it's one of those albums that you're supposed to just listen from the beginning all the way to the end. It's like a, it's like a it's a story in and of itself. Like you have to like, of course, you can listen to a song by itself. But like you listen to the, you know, the whole album all the way through. It's just so incredible.
1: I, I'm getting goosebumps because, you know, you know like the, the, the second the, the second side of Abbey Road is like a shepherd's pie. It's like it's everything all the songs they never finished and wanted to put in a new song oh. and they just made this beautiful medley
0: Oh, I love that medley. Yes. Yes.
1: And um, I'm so happy. Uh, you know, I this I'm so happy to meet you. I'm incredibly Fortunate honored and humbled that you're on the show And now I'm going to be frustrated Because although we will meet again in our in our uh, in our meetup next week. I hope Yes uh, with all the other 20 writers I've been fortunate to, to e meet or whatever the word is, <laughs> I really want to see you.
0: I, well, when are you coming? When is this all going to be over and we, we can all hang out together again?
1: I was I'm really suppo- looking forward to I that. was supposed to come to New York last uh, April, mm. meet Harold Underdown, who is my mentor.
0: Oh, he's lovely.
1: He's the best. I, you know, I'm working with him for a whole year now. Oh, I'm, wonderful. I'm, just, I'm the luckiest thing. Ah, and you'll see him next week because he's coming to our meetup.
0: Awesome.
1: And, and travel with him to Ottawa, Canada for oh, an wow. STBWI meeting where I was going to come back to Ottawa, where, which is where I grew up and left oh, when my I was goodness. 18. Yeah. But then the COVID hit us and, um, but you know, I'll get back and the, are you near Boston?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm outside of Boston. So, yeah, New York is not far.
1: No, but I, I know Boston. But, uh, you know, I have this thing. I want to go to Boston, and I want to go. I have all kinds of places I want to go. Um, but we, we, we can meet in New York. Um, but anyway, uh, getting back to the Beatles. Um, yes. You, you know that uh, I usually ask guests to sing their favorite song.
0: Oh, boy. Okay.
1: And I know that you're, I know that you're musical. Yes. Because of that marvelous uh, story with the Golden Rings. By, by, by the way, is this based on a legend or you invented the legend too?
0: Oh, um, no, it is not based on. So the, that the puzzle, right? The logic puzzle is an old one that m- many people who are in math know this puzzle. Um, my uncle told it to us when we were like kids.
1: So, so you, built took, this, you built this legend around yes, the puzzle.
0: Yes, he, uh, I remembered that logic puzzle. I never forgot it. I made it a little bit more complicated. And then I said, I need to have a character who needs to solve this puzzle for an important reason. And so then I made up the rest
1: of it. So I'm going to, do you know about TED Ed? Oh, uh, yeah. Ed, the animations. They love mathematical puzzles. Oh. I'm going to connect you with them. It sounds good. You don't make any money, but millions of people see it. <laughs> And I'm I'm, I'm guessing you make more money as a physician anyway, even with your wonderful literary career. Or am I mistaken?
0: (laughs) Oh, you would be right.
1: (laughs) So um, this, you know, I'm just, I'm just postponing the inevitable, which is to ask you to sing "Here Comes the Sun," and then we'll, we'll say goodbye until next week.
0: I will sing a little bit of it, Um, little darling. It's been a long, cold, lonely winter. Little darling, it feels like years since it's been clear. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right.
1: That was beautiful.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: I just lost my pencil out of excitement. <laughs> so Rajani LaRocca, yes.
0: um,
1: this was incredible. I had and, a wonderful time. And I had a wonderful time. <laughs> um, and um, can't wait to meet you, but I'll see you next week. And thank you for being on You've Got Mel.
0: Thank you for having me. I had such a great time. Yay.
1: Bye dear. Sorry. Don't forget to share this. I don't, you worry.